0: Thank you for engaging today's message with Wind River Community Church. Our prayer for you is that you will encounter Christ and grow in your relationship with him. May this encourage you in connecting with other people who follow Jesus as well as knowing you are not alone. If you would like prayer, please text us at 307-240-8742. Or if you would like more information about this program or past messages, visit our website at windriverchurch.com. I look forward to hearing what God is doing in your life and now here is today's message. Now it's this time of year that I grew up in Ohio, I'm an Ohio boy through and through. and it's this time of year that many Ohioans start to think about vacation, um, specifically like uh, spring break vacation, because it starts to get cold. It's not as beautiful uh, in Ohio as it is here. So Probably November, it starts to get cloudy, and you don't see the sun until, like, March. Um, so it is cloudy a lot of the time. And so you start to daydream about where you're going to go, what you're going to do. And if you are a planner, this is great for you because, hey, you have a goal. You, you are just set, you're released to do whatever you need to do to get to this, this goal, destination of the best vacation ever. And so you start planning, you know, where you're going to go, where you're going to stop, where you're going to eat, what activities you you are going to do, and then you put a budget together so that you can do all of that. Now how sad would it be if spring break came and you did none of it? Like that would not be fun, right? You put all that time, all that research, all that uh, planning for something It's not simply good enough to know about the location, know about the events, know about the cuisine, but you want to experience it. You want to bring in, use all of your senses and bring in the vacation to enjoy it. So this morning we're going to look at uh, what does it look like to not simply just know, but to experience. We want to be people who are experiencing. And we're going to continue on as we go through John, we're going to John, uh, the first chapter, verse 35. So we're just going to jump on, right on in. <clears throat> Starting in, in verse 35, John says, that The next day, John was standing with his two disciples, and he looked up at Jesus and as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. John is, has been teaching Jesus. His disciples about who Jesus is—the coming one, the Messiah, the Christ, the Lamb of God. Verse twenty-nine, he already said this: "Hey, the uh, the Lamb of God, he's going to take away the sins of the world." The next day after, he says the same thing: "Hey, behold the Lamb of God." Who is this Lamb? The, who is this Lamb of God? This is the Lamb of God who placed every star in its place, who set the sun to rise in the morning, for the moon to come up, to spin the world on its axis. He, he is the one in his creativity designed the stubbed, stubbed, node, stubbed nose monkey. My boy's helping me out this week. And the bumblebee. Scientists said the bumblebee shouldn't be able to fly because it's too big and the wings are too small, but yet somehow it does. Creativity. Look at those animals. Behold, the Lamb of God, the one who continues to hold everything together, never tires, never uh, gets worn out, never gets bored, but he delights and everything that He has created. Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, this man is the king over all of the universe, over everything living, everything breathing, everything that you live and you see. He is the king over everything. And as the king, He stepped down from His throne, not surrounded by bodyguards, not with a parade of, of power and shenanigans and splendor. No, as a king he stepped into time and space as a naked baby the creator and sustainer of all that there is is now in flesh and bone behold the lamb of god see this is the man who grew up poorest of the poor but circumstances didn't define who he was see this is the man that was tested Every, 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 every way, every possible way, never disobeying God, always remain faithful each and every time. See, this is the man that is sinless, and he did what was right, honoring God. This is the man who stepped up when times got hard, and this is the man who stepped in when everyone else turned to walk away behold the Lamb of God see this is the Lamb of God who healed a paralyzed man with his voice you are healed see this is the man who made mud out of dirt and his spit plastered it on some guys eyes washed it off and now we can see this is the man who took an elderly woman's hand who was a high fevered who had a high fever, and immediately as he he touched her hand, the fever left. This is the man who, who a lady who was dealing with blood issues for twelve years didn't touch him, but just touched his garment, and she was healed. Behold, the Lamb of God. This is the man who healed. A lady's young girl who was not even in him, or near him. Behold the Lamb of God. He is the man who welcomed those who were rejected. This is the man who strengthened those who are weak. This is the man who found those who were lost. This is the man who healed those who were sick. And these are, this is the man who gave insight to those who were simple. Behold the Lamb of God. Do you see Him walking by? John says. Church, behold this is our God. The one and only true King. Amen. Now I know there's sometimes in our lives where we know who God is. We know that He is the Lamb of God but yet it it becomes calloused for us. It becomes this... This mental exercise, okay, who, I understand who he is, but I'm just not feeling it. And I think some of us who are married, we get to that point, right? When we start dating our wives, or we start, we first get married, we're in that honeymoon stage, right? They can do never wrong, and then they're this, and all good. And then pretty soon your wife doesn't shut the lid on the toilet, and like, and then, like, she folds clothes this way. doesn't she know this is how you fold the clothes? Like, you know, all of those things and those warm, fuzzy feelings for your spouse aren't necessarily there. Do you still love your spouse? Yes. But it isn't as that first day that you first met her or him. And that can happen when it comes to following Jesus. And if you're in that spot, which I've been in that spot several times, um, two things that I often go to. Psalm 111. Great psalm, short psalm, um, but each line just describes who our God is. And I use each line as a springboard to to recall just a sense of gratitude. Okay, this is who God is. Okay, He's doing this in my life. And it draws me to prayer, draws me to engaging my, my mind back to my heart. And another one is Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is one who is foretelling Jesus' coming and what he, what's going to take place when He's on earth. And two, when you read that, it's easy to, okay, this is, this is, this is our, our Lord, this is our Lamb of God. But, when you read it, when you come across a second, or sorry, any second person pronoun, I'm blaming this on my cough. I'm having a brain fart. Uh... Yeah, I know, it's good. Um, Yeah, second-person pronouns, plural pronouns. When you come to, like, we, are, they, put your initial on top. So for me, I put M-J-R. So every place there is that pronoun, I put my initial. And then I reread it again. And every time I come to that pronoun, I say my name. And I say my name, and I say my name and as i'm reading through isaiah 53 seeing what took place with the lamb of god and he did it for me it brings it home brings it down to who we where we're at we need to be able we need to be willing to experience god and not just know Him uh, intellectually. And I love being here at this church because we are all about Jesus. Amen. Yeah, We are all about promoting Jesus. There is no one greater. It's not about the decor, which the youth group did a great job. It's not about the building. It's not about the music. It's not about the kid and the, the youth programs. It's not about great speakers. It's none of that. It's all about Jesus. Nothing compares to Him. See, everything else will break. Light bulbs will break. Things will wear out. Uh, people will let you down. Um, I, yeah, I believe that's the fact. But Jesus, he will stay true. He always has. He always will. He is faithful each and every day. So if we are all about Jesus, our experience will never disappoint. But if we do forget about Jesus... Our best intentions are no better than dog doo-doo. Ken would say something else, but I say dog doo-doo. Again, my boys helped me out this week. It is all about Jesus. It is saddening to see the church globally, you know, big as a whole, forgetting About the importance of Jesus. See the church, she's exchanging her experience for with God as an experience of the church. Instead of saying, Behold the Lamb of God, we say, Hey, have you seen and listened to that music? Instead of saying, Behold the Lamb of God, we say, Hey, have you listened to that speaker? Wow. Insightful. And instead of looking to the Lamb of God, we say, hey, look at our methods. Hey, look at our money. Hey, look at our building and look at how many butts we have. I mean, how many butts are in the seats? (laughs) We promote, hey, come and see to a location and not to a person. Much time is being poured into creating and implementing programs and strategies from those who actually don't do the work themselves we become all about building the church while neglecting building his kingdom I have many dear friends who love Jesus and do great work but refuse to, to still to this day step foot into a church because they've been burnt by the church why? Because, sadly, we start becoming narcissists and look in the mirror and say, hey, look how good we are. But that's, We are mirrors. We're not supposed to be looking in mirrors. And we're supposed to be reflecting Jesus, not be in love with ourselves. And isn't Jesus the one who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail? Jesus did say that. He's the one that's going to build the church. Not Peter, not those who follow him. Jesus is. The church is nothing without Jesus. Jesus says, I am the head of the church. The church is the gathering of those who trust and follow Jesus. See, if you strip the church away from Jesus, the church becomes like every other local club in town, like the VFW, the Knights of Columbus. Uh, the Freemasons or, you know, whatever you, you want to call it. There's no difference. They paid their dues. You know, we, we just call it tithes if you want to go that far. And if the church continues to ignore Jesus, I believe the church, I believe this country will be accelerated towards a post-Christian culture, just like the countries across the Big Pond. So when it comes to experiencing God, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is experiencing God cannot be dumbed down uh, to, the, to the goosebumps and the warm, fuzzy feelings that we get sometimes. Because God's not that. There's so much more in the presence uh, of experiencing God. In my reading, uh, my, my yearly reading uh, through the Bible, I'm going through the, the Minor Prophets and... Again and again, I'm amazed. Can you read the Minor Prophets? There's a lot of judgment, a lot of like, "Hey, this is going to happen." Hey, you've messed up. Da, da, da. You know, like, a lot of bad news. And I've had some good friends who've told me, "Like, how can you serve a God who all he does is put his thumb down and and, and discipline and and uh, judge people?" But you need to read. The minor prophets, you need to read the old prophet or the, the old testament because those friends that tell me that, they stop short. Every good parent disciplines their child. When I have to discipline my kids, I tell them I'm disciplining them because I love them. If I didn't love them, I would let them do whatever they want. But it's out of my love that I discipline them because I want them to respond or to act or to do. Do right. Same thing with our God. Does he delight in punishing us? No. No parent delights in it. Okay, maybe just a little. (laughs) But Joel 2 sums it up this way He said, That is why the Lord says, Turn to me now while there is still time, give me your heart. Know that I am merciful, I am full of compassion, I am slow to anger, I am filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. God just simply saying, hey, this is going to come for you, it is your choice. If you choose that, that's yours. But come to me, I don't want that for you. God doesn't want us to be a post-Christian uh, country. He wants us to be a country that's going to honor Him, to experience what He has for us. So church, let us experience God for who He is. Let us experience Him changing lives. Let's experience Him giving purpose where we thought there was no purpose. Let's experience Him restore something that we thought could never be restored again and provide in ways that we've never thought of. Behold, here He is. These are the words that John is speaking to his disciples. And for them they're like, okay, you're talking about Jesus, you're talking about the Lamb of God. There he is. Peace out, John. I'm going to go with Jesus. Right? We see that in uh, verses 13 and, and 14. It says the two disciples heard John saying this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. Now before moving here, I had the opportunity of uh, working for a prayer line. And I I had a great opportunity to, uh, good conversations with people, uh, good looking at God's word together with them, and having the opportunity to pray for people from all over—it a—it uh, uh, was a yeah a, a great job. I, I really enjoyed it, and I re- I will never forget this one lady. Uh, she became she was well known even when I sh- shortly after I I started working. Um, one of my first people I talked to was this lady. And I'm just going to call her Lori uh, for this morning. But Lori would call every every day. And every day she would call and ask for prayer for healing. Because Lori dealed with severe health issues. So every, like when, when someone would call in, it was just like whoever was available, you would get that person. So I had no say of who I would get. But there was one week later on in, in my job there that I actually talked with her every day of the week uh, for, the, for the entire week. <clears throat> and yes, each week or each day she asked for prayer for healing and we would have a, a discussion and I would, pray, I would pray for her. Me, I'm compassionate, compassionate and graceful. But there's to a point, and then there's to a point where I'm just like, we, we got to do something, otherwise we're just going in a, a circle. And so at the end of the week, I was like, Lori, it has been great to talk with you each and every day this week, and um, it has been a privilege to pray for you, and, you know, God says he hears all of our prayers, and he answers them in his perfect timing. But I have one question, Lori what are you really wanting and reminded her you know lori you've shared with me how you've been seeking healing over and over again but where is jesus in all of this see lori goes to a church who basically name it and claim it and so if you want to be healed name it and claim it and you're good to go if you want to be rich name it and claim it there you go Um, And if it doesn't work, it's because you don't have enough faith or you don't give enough money or this and this. And so I asked Lori, what are you wanting? Are you wanting healing or are you wanting Jesus? And there was a a silence for a little bit. And then she was quite offended uh, that I asked her this question and did not... Like my uh, asking you asking her this question, and I, I kindly said, "Lori, okay, you you know I'm Matt. You you've been talking with me every day this week, and I've really appreciated this time getting to know you, getting to know your family, uh, getting to know your situation, and how I can pray for you. And I I love that process. I love walking with people and seeing how God answers prayers, but." It seems like, Lori, if I'm honest, you want nothing to do with Jesus. You just want healing. It's by God's grace that she didn't hang up on me or report me or whatever. (laughs) But we started having this conversation. And it turned out really great. And it opened the door of the importance of, hey, not just seeking the experience of healing, but hey, who is this Jesus? Jesus. And throughout this, this this short conversation with her, she changed. Okay, even if he doesn't give me healing, I can still worship and honor Jesus. And so I encouraged her uh, to get a, a journal to write at the top things that I'm thankful for and just make a list of, of uh, things that she can thank God for what he's doing in her life because God is doing more in her life than just in the healing department. And so we prayed, I thanked God, uh, on our way. I did not talk to her for another couple weeks after that. So if she talked to other people, I, I don't know. Um, but it was a couple weeks after that where I actually was able to talk to her, with her on the phone. I was glad. I was excited. When her name popped up, I'm like, hey, this is Lori, this is going to be great. It was the same tape playing again. It's like, oh. Praying for heal- healing. People at her church said she, all she needs to do is just to believe it more and this and that. It's like, Lori, what happened? She wanted nothing to do with it. I was like, okay. But just as Lori was asked this question of, what are you really wanting? Jesus will ask every one of his followers, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? Are you seeking a miracle? Are you seeking financial gain? Are you seeking health? Or a status? Success? Fame? A loving spouse? A feeling? But what are you seeking? If Jesus refrained from giving you something, would you still seek him? If seeking him was no longer fun, but became lifeless, what would you do? Jesus asks, what are you seeking? When you first become a believer and you first get your Bible, like, reading the Bible is so exciting. You know, like, I still, I still remember that. I still get those feelings when I think about it. And I still remember, uh, you know, getting up early and praying and, and knowing that, hey, God has saved me. And everything was brand new and everything uh, was just Exciting. And then time went on, and like, man, I just want to sleep a little bit more. I got a final coming up. You're like, I got to study. I got work stuff going on. This and this, and soon reading the Bible, there was no joy. It wasn't like eating candy. There was no this natural high. Oh, maybe I need a devotional book. You know, maybe I need to go and get this book, so I'll just, you know, gradually go through my uh, Bible reading, and then, uh, then I'll read my devotional book, and then, oh man. But this devotional book stops giving me that feeling. I need this other one. And we begin having this series of books of like, okay, which one do I need to read to get this emotional high? And Jesus like, what are you seeking after? Is it me or is it an emotional high? I am here, Jesus says. Not too long ago, rather recently, I've been contemplating my prayer life. I, I love thinking. I love pondering things. I think questions are a good thing. I do think there are dumb questions which I know I'm sorry teachers teachers would say there is never a dumb question but I really do I really do Um, I would never tell you that but in my head I would think that Uh, but I've been pondering and contemplating my prayers and like how I pray what I pray for and why I pray I know weird Those are things I think about and it came came to my attention that I find myself often needing or often praying Lord I need this. Lord I just need more wisdom to handle this situation. Or Lord I need more patience. Or Lord I need to be a better husband and a better uh, father because I think my kids ask dumb questions apparently. Um, (laughs) But really I don't need that. I don't need those things. I need Jesus. That's, that's what I need. I don't need wisdom. I don't need uh, to be a better husband. And when I was saying need, and I'm not saying you can't say need in prayer, you can say need in prayer, but for me, when I was saying need, it was, one, it was a small way of my heart saying, I'm seeking something else besides the Lamb of God. And I'm like, I've got to stop that. I can't seek anything else besides my Lord and Savior. See, you can take away my wisdom. You can take my ability. I know it would be hard of of being a father and of being a husband. But I would still have Jesus. But you take away Jesus, you can give me the whole world and I'll still be lost. There's an old song out there that says, Take the world. But give me Jesus. All his joys are but a name, but His love abides forever, though through eternal years, the same. See, take the world, but give me Jesus, sweetest comfort of my soul. With the Savior watching over me, I can sing even through, even though thunder rolls. So you can take the whole world, but just give me Jesus. I need the lamb of God. You need the lamb of God. Our friends and family need the love the lamb of God. They can have everything that this world could possibly have, but if they don't know Jesus, they're still dead. So Jesus is asking church, what are you seeking? What are you wanting? And when Jesus asks his disciples in the passage that we're we're looking, I wish the disciples would have answered it. Like, that would have been really nice. Like, okay, Jesus, when you ask me that question, you're like, I'll just quote the disciples. Like, there's no better answer than that, right? But the disciples don't really answer that question. But they do note who he is. When Jesus asks them, what are you seeking? Their first words out of their mouth that we have recorded as rabbi which means teacher it's positional a disciple simply means a learner hey I want to learn something these these two guys are learning from John okay John you are in a place of authority you can speak into our life you can speak truth into life you're gonna teach us all of your ways and now they're becoming disciples of Jesus Jesus rabbi you have the authority you are the one who are speaking truth into my life. You are the one's going to teach me your ways. I am not the teacher. You are the teacher. It's the same way with our approach uh, coming to the Bible. We don't come to the Bible with me being the authoritative one saying this is what it means, but we come under under the word saying, "Okay, Lord, show me what you want." I am yours. You are the teacher, but they—they they don't just stop there. They ask him a question, like, "Is that okay to ask Jesus a question when He asks us a question?" I think so. They ask him a question, and in in so in so doing, they they bring a sense that they are what they're wanting from Him is not something that can be answered in a short momentary portion of time. But what are you seeking? Their response is, well, where are you going? Where are you staying? See, they want more time with Him. They want to understand. They want to walk with Him. It's this journey, this experience. They want to experience the Lamb of God. So Jesus says, come and find out. Come and see. Jesus invites them to join in. Church, as we are asked, what are you seeking? Be weary and be weary of the quick answer. Because often quick answers come from our head and not from our hearts. They're a reaction to something, not a response to something. So ponder over that question. What would it look like if you took the time to answer that question? What would it look like if you stepped into letting Jesus be the one who speaks with authority into your life? What would it look like if we could? experience firsthand Jesus in our lives in our relationships at our job what would that look like personally I think there'd be great change see not only would we know his power like intellectually like yeah we know this like yeah he could do that but no we would experience it Some of the darkest days in my family's life was when Ezra, at 18 months, went in for chemo and a bone marrow transplant. Those are some dark, dark days. Or you think of Priscilla, going through everything that she has went through. But man, we are experiencing God's favor, God's hand at work. We are seeing God in ways that we have never seen before. Mel and I will often joke of going through everything that we went through with with Ezra was hell. Honestly. But we saw a side of God that we wished other people could see. We would see His power firsthand. See, we would be willing to share, we would be able to share uh, more experience of Jesus leading people to keep their commitments. We would see experiencing Jesus Uh, Lead people to have more joy in life, not just more things in life. That forgiveness would be given, that people would stay loyal, that people uh, would be true to their word in time, that people would be kinder, generous, uh, kind, uh, yeah, generous uh, with their coworkers and with their families. People would show self control in areas never seen before. I believe the middle school drama that so many Christians love to hold on to would disappear and there would be such unity in the church that people in our community would like raise an eyebrow of like, hey, what's going on there? Man, I, God's doing some good work there. Things would change. You see Andrew, which is one of the disciples that, that left John to follow Jesus, Jesus experienced, Andrew experienced Jesus. And he was convinced that Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Messiah. And the first thing that we, that we see here, uh, that we read Andrew doing, is that he first, he went and, and found his brother Simon. And he said to him, hey, we found, the, we found the Messiah, which means the Christ. See, Andrew doesn't go to his brother uh, trying to convince him uh, of what he said was true. He said instead he just brought him to Jesus. Hey, I've experienced this guy, this is the true guy, come check it out. It was of Jesus that con- convinced Andrew that Jesus was the Messiah, the Lamb of God. And he knew that if his brother could experience Jesus, he would be convinced as well. And that's why over and over again here at this church, we are intentionally connecting you, me, with Jesus. Not just for the first time, but for a lifetime. Because as you experience him, you are continued, uh, you continue to become more convinced of who he is. The great thing is, it's not our job. It's not our job to come up with a, a good defense or a good case or a good argument of, of why Jesus is the Lamb of God and why you are sinners and you need to change. We don't have to do any of that. Hey, this is the Lamb of God. Check Him out. Our job is simply to bring people to Jesus. The warts and all. People don't need to get better. People don't need to get cleaner. They don't need to make the right choices. We just bring them with Jesus. And I love that because some of you, that's been you. Your life was messed up. You've been doing things you know you shouldn't have been doing. And someone said, Hey, there's this rinky-dink church, they talk about this guy named Jesus man. I am just I'm just loving it and Jesus is doing stuff in my life that I never thought was ever possible can you just come but you know I, I this I'm I'm not that type of person I don't care that's fine just come and you see God do work in your in your life that's awesome that's what we're about Jesus is building this church, not you and I. Jesus allows me to experience him in a deeper way as others experience him through me. And this season is a great way to... This season is a great way to experience him in a deeper way. When we allow others to to experience Him through us? Who in your life needs to experience, experience Jesus through you? It's going to cost something. might cost more than you think. But when you compare that cost to the... The cost of experience Him, it's nothing. So, where are you? Do you need to come to Jesus? Is the the Lamb of God simply something that you know about but haven't really, like, hasn't connected yet? Do you need to come to Jesus, the Lamb of God? Do you need to answer the question, hey, what are you seeking? Know that you're not alone in answering that question. You have two pastors, we're flawed, but we love you. You have a church body who are going to be supportive. That you don't have to answer that question alone. But wherever you're at, however you answer it, know that you have a church family that is supportive and they'll be right there with you or maybe you need to experience him in a deeper way by allowing someone else to experience him through you let's pray father your word is alive and your word is active and Father, your word continues to point us to who you are, and your your word wants us to know about you. And Father, I confess for all of us this morning that often we make it about ourselves. We want to look good. We want to know what we have the right answer. We want people to come to us. And Father, we say that we're we're sorry. We're, Returning from that, we don't want anything to do with that because we know if people come to us, uh, we're gonna we're gonna fail. But Father, we want to point them to You because You are the Lamb of God, You are the Redeemer, You are the re- Messiah, You are their Christ. And Father, we want people to come and to c- experience You. Father, wherever people are. Your word says you will meet them there. Father, you love us that you're not going to let us stay there, but Father, you're going to draw us closer and closer to yourself. Have your way. All for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.